Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, it's brand new Flyers Daily for the 23rd of December, Friday, as the Flyers will play their final game before the Christmas break coming up tonight in Carolina. And Carolina playing yesterday as well. They played last night in Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock start. Flyers uh, having that 2 o'clock start in Toronto, I'm sure, uh, beat the Carolina Hurricanes to Raleigh probably by the time the puck dropped on their game in Pittsburgh. So a little extra rest on this back-to-back for the Flyers and equal footing as Carolina comes in on a back-to-back as well. Carolina playing great right now. Flyers yesterday, they go down in Toronto by a final score of 4-3, to in particular the second period where the Flyers really got caved in in that period. They come out of the first up one nothing on a Tony D'Angelo power play goal. I think they only had three or four shots in the first period. Their goal came on their first shot of the game. And like I said, they come out of the period up one to nothing. But you knew in that second period uh, that Toronto was going to come out with their hair on fire. Early game, sometimes it takes the teams a, a little time to kind of get acclimated to playing that early in the day. They're not used to playing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't seem early for me or you, but uh, for a hockey player who's usually got his uh, biorhythm of his, bi- you know, his clock in his body, it's usually, you know, a seven o'clock start. So that's the rhythm of their body to get it up and ready to go for a two o'clock game. Sometimes you see a kind of slow and a bit lackluster first period. And I think we saw that from both sides. Toronto outshot the Flyers significantly in that first period, but you never really felt like there was many great opportunities other than the Marner breakaway shorthanded, which then was followed by the D'Angelo goal. There really wasn't, it was a pretty low event first period. The second period was not low event, especially from a Toronto perspective. They were all over the Flyers. It was amazing. Hart uh, stopped the first 23 shots he faced, and it took all the way until the 1650 mark of the second period uh, for Toronto to break through. It came right after a power play, three seconds after a power play had expired. Uh, Kelly Yarncroke got on the board for Toronto, tied the game at one, and then another power play uh, late in the period saw a power play goal by Mitch Marner. Uh, his 13th of the season at 1923. So the Flyers went into the third period, and despite being outplayed significantly in that second period and a kind of lackluster first period, they only found themselves down a goal. But then early in the third, it was uh, Michael Bunting getting a, a goal 33 seconds in, put Toronto up 3 1, and then at 11 39, William Nylander picked up his 20th, put Toronto up 4 1, and you're going, okay, this game's out of reach. But the shift following that Nylander goal that put them up 4-1. Morgan Frost comes darting down the left side. Tony D'Angelo sends a really nice kind of area pass that Morgan skates right into, is able to get in and beat Samsonov, and that makes it 4-2. And then a minute 23 later, Joel Farabee gets a goal, and it makes the score 4-3. And then all of a sudden, you've got a one-goal game. Flyers did have some opportunities down the stretch, including uh, a a really good opportunity for Joel Farabee that looked like Austin Matthews got a stick on, and it was a wide-open net, but it wasn't to be, and the Flyers go down 4-3 against Toronto. That's kind of, you know, one of the things you admire the resilience of them battling back and battling all the way to the end, especially against a really good team, and you're down three goals on the road, uh, but it's the position that you put yourself in that makes it, I mean, Being down three goals in a third period, midway through a third period, and trying to come back is never going to be a recipe, no matter what kind of skill or players you have. But 
a second period really undid them in this game because I believe that second period led to certainly that first goal in the third period as well. And they battle back, and that's good, but ultimately uh, they don't get the win against Toronto. And Toronto, very good team. They played really fast, and that caused the Flyers fits in that second period. They put Toronto on the power play three times in the period. And that's, you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. With the scorers that they have out there, William Nylander having a great power play season, leads the team in goals more than Austin Matthews. Not to mention Matthews, who scored 60 last year, probably the best release in the NHL right now. And then you couple that with Mitch Marner and John Tavares. I mean, just a team that's got tons of weapons. You don't want to keep putting that group on the power play uh, because they stick five forwards out there and five really good forwards on their power play. If you keep putting them on it, eventually they're going to break through, and they did in this game against the Flyers. And uh, it's one of those teams, too, by, you know, they're a fast team. Like, they can skate fast, but they play really fast. They transition off turnovers right back at you, and they're on top of you before you know it. And that's why you saw, I think, some of the, you know, interference, holding. You're trying to just grab guys to slow them down. And that is is a lesson for the Flyers as well. You've got to be playing fast as, as much as moving the puck lets you play fast, as much as skating and doing the right things, but really transitioning off turnovers is the way you can really put a lot of pressure on teams. I thought Toronto was excellent at that today. Now, the Flyers will be back in action tonight, back-to-back like we started with, and they'll be facing the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, Carolina, uh, a team that, boy, a really good team. They've grabbed the top spot in the Metropolitan Division. Um, You know, New Jersey held that spot for a while, and it looked like New Jersey uh, was going to be a team to be reckoned with at the top of the division. I think when it's all said and done, this is Carolina's division. It is there for them to to win. And they've got a record, at least without last night's score, of 26-6 and six, uh, through 32 games. They've played 33 now. 9-0-1 in their last 10. They've won six straight, and pending what they do tonight in Pittsburgh. As I'm taping this, you're hearing this, the game's already over. Uh, but pending that, uh, they're a team that's playing really good hockey right now. Well-coached under Rod Brindamore. You know you're going to get an honest effort. They're not going to be a team that's looking to the break tonight to get their Christmas started early. Uh, That head coach, Rob Brindamore, guards against that. Doesn't let that happen. Leading their way in points uh, for Carolina is it's not Sebastian Ajo, oddly enough. It's actually Martin Natchez. He's got 30 points, 13 goals, 70 assists. 13 goals, 17 assists. Shvechnikov has got 29 points in 32 games. Ajo, however, is the only more than point-per-game player. He's only played in 26, but he's got 11 goals and 16 assists. And the new addition, they uh, made the acquisition of Brent Burns in the offseason. He's got 22 points. He's still got something left in the tank. He's played all 32 games, four goals, 18 assists, two on the power play, and nine power play assists for Brent Burns. 2003 draft pick, still kicking, still getting it done, and uh, he's a good replacement down there for Tony D'Angelo, playing a lot of those key elements of the game, power play, and uh, he's a guy that adds a, a very good dynamic to that team. A lot of leadership there. He's a guy also uh, that can still do damage on the power play, as evidenced by his numbers, and he's kind of been there, done that. He won't be overwhelmed by any situation after all those years in San Jose. So it's going to be the Flyers in Carolina tonight in Raleigh, and that'll take the Flyers right up to the break. 
and then they'll be back after the break uh, in six days' time. They have a couple extra days added to their break. Uh, the 27th is when the league will go back. That is Tuesday night, but the Flyers won't return until Thursday, uh, the 29th, and they're going to start late on that night. So drink your coffee, uh, sleep in, whatever you got to do, because it'll be a late-night hockey game in San Jose, a 10:30 puck drop in San Jose. Um, so it's going to be a Flyers After Dark special when they come back. And I, I think my new, if I was named the commissioner of the NHL, I wouldn't let any team that's on the West Coast, when hosting an East Coast team, start a game at 10.30. If you want to start it at 10, okay, that's 7 o'clock their time. I get it. 10.30, why are we going the extra half hour here with an East Coast team in town? That's just a, if I'm commissioner of the NHL, I'm eliminating that opportunity. So, I mean, that's late enough for East Coast teams. Flyers are going to be traveling from the East Coast, and that'll be their first game. And to get up for a game at 10.30 at night, I'll throw you for a spin cycle. Second game of the trip will be on the 31st on New Year's Eve. They'll play the Kings at 4 o'clock, and then they'll play Anaheim to wrap up that, that portion of the road trip. And the West Coast trip against Anaheim on 10 o'clock on January 2nd, and then they'll return home against Arizona. That trip is like kind of mitigated a little bit, that road trip. All said and done, it's considered a five-game road trip because there's no home games in between. So you had yesterday in Toronto, tonight in Carolina, then the Christmas break, where obviously they'll come back and um, have some practice too before they head back out after the Christmas holiday, and then head out to San Jose, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. So it's a five-game road trip that's broken into two pieces, so certainly a little bit more palatable uh, for the Flyers. And then, like I said, they'll return home the fifth against Arizona, also see Toronto. They also had a game moved uh, to January 9th, a game that was supposed to take place against Buffalo in April, got moved up. There were some scheduling changes. That's one of them. So the Flyers will have another back-to-back added in there as well with that game edition of Buffalo. So the 8th against Toronto at Wells Fargo, and now the ninth in Buffalo, and then the 11th against the Washington Capitals for a home-and-home on a Wednesday and Saturday. So Carolina tonight, we'll break that down tomorrow in another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, let's get to a, a quick DM. That came my way uh, via Twitter. You can always DM me at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Always get great DMs from great Flyer fans. And a lot of times they come from around the world as this one does from Nick. Nick is in, I believe, the UK. He said, yeah, he's in the UK and quite removed from the context of North American sports. He said, hockey's a part of my life only when I choose to get involved. I have virtually no friends into it over here and there is zero coverage. He said, but I think this space allows a level of groundedness towards the team that might be more challenging for long-suffering Flyer fans who have not seen the team really hit hit it in 12-plus years. He said, but to me, it's very frustrating to see Chuck's ideas completely trip over themselves, whether good or bad. We'll never know or see. Ryan Ellis may never play. Coots is hopefully as good as he was prior to the injuries when he returns, etc. He said, accepting things for what they are allows you to eat. See that even as soon as next year, this team could well start to become exciting. Let's stop there. I think the team could show exciting elements this year. I think we're starting to see some of the young players take steps. They're taking steps, but is it going to be a couple steps forward and then two steps forward and three steps back? That is what remains to be seen. So I'm not ready to proclaim any guy is now on a great trajectory 
Even when you take steps forward, you got to guard against taking those steps backwards. Um, then he goes on to say, Nick does, uh, Frost might be a player. They have a wealth of very good bottom nine players. Some of them might work on the top line. Cutter Gauthier is looking good. York might even turn out to be a shrewder pick than Caulfield. Cole Caulfield has to sustain his production when their games matter. He said, and an elite draft pick this summer would really help. Money, money coming off the books. This club has a lot of potential, and it's bleeping infuriating that it might take two years, but voices that talk about five to ten years are overreacting to me, and who knows what will happen. But there's also reasonable evidence to suggest positive outcomes rather than their neg- the negative for the quality of prospects and their development alongside the process of figuring out current roster players to lead the youngsters. I think he makes a really good point here. You know, I think it's the doom and gloomers on social media. And look, you may turn out to be right. They may turn out to be dead right. Maybe it does take five, ten years to turn it around. There's so many questions up in the air about a timeline. And I think the biggest question about the timeline is what happens this offseason and how many pieces are you replacing? So in this process of finding out who's who and what's what, then you got to figure out, okay, who am I replacing the pieces that I found out that I don't like? And what are the quality of those pieces? Those are all parts of the equation. Couple that with, obviously, the variable of Couturier's injury. Um, I believe he's going to play again. What is he going to be when he plays? That I don't know. I'm not going to come on here with just blind optimism and say, you know, Sean Couturier next season is going to be 100% healthy and give you 76 points and 30 goals. I'm not going to say that. This comes off a double back surgery. He is a guy that's played a lot of hard minutes in the NHL. Do I hope that happens? Absolutely. Am I certain it's going to? No, I'm not. And I don't, maybe his, you know, highest level of play now is is not going to ever be what it was. Maybe it'll be better. I don't know. But I'm not going to discount it, and I'm not going to bank on him being exactly what he was. But I am going to bank a little bit on him coming back. And then there's obviously, you know, Cam Atkinson's another guy who just had a neck surgery. You know, what is, is this going to be something that lingers since he is north of 30 and an undersized guy in the NHL? That I don't know. Ryan Ellis, I mean— I've kind of written that out of my head at this point. I hope he has, you know, health for the rest of his life. And if hockey's part of the equation, we'll deal with that when it's time to deal with it. Uh, And then, obviously, you know, when you finish out of the playoffs, you're in the NHL draft lottery. What kind of lottery luck do you have? Do you end up with a a, a one, two, or three pick? And if you do, what's there when you pick? If they end up at number three, is Meechkoff there and you got to wait a couple years? Is that okay? Or if you're at three and, you know, the, the number two team takes Meechkoff, then you get Fantilli. You know, how does it play out? Or if you're in four or five, you know, what's the timeline of the player that you pick? Sometimes you can pick a player in a draft that can be in the NHL sooner, but it doesn't mean it's the right pick. Just because you get, it's not a race to the NHL, you want the best player long-term for a career in the NHL. So you got that to consider as well. So there's a lot of elements that will determine the timeline of what they're going through. I don't know what the timeline is yet. I'd love to 
just know what that is. So I, we all know what we're in for. It's the unknown that makes it even more difficult. But it is, uh, you know, a rebuild or a retool, whatever you want to call this, cannot be microwaved. And that's a key element of it as well. So, Nick, thanks for the note, man. I really appreciate it. He said, cheers, beers, and much merriment this festive period. All the best. Uh, and that's Nick checking in on social media. Great great DM, and I always appreciate it. All right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, we'll recap Flyers Carolina Hurricanes on tomorrow's episode on Christmas Eve. So, everybody, enjoy the game coming up tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Day. Episode.